This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmond.edu. Hello, this is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts, and I want to apologize at the outset because you may hear a repetitive banging uh, going on while we're talking today, and it's because right outside of my window, there is a massive construction project going on with jackhammers and everything else. Uh, so if you hear that, you'll know what's going on. I had a question from a listener that said, what do you do if you have uh, differences of opinion within your church on spiritual gifts. And let me say, first of all, I'm not sure exactly what he means by this, because what he could mean is, I've got a spiritual gift and my church won't recognize it. I've certainly seen that happen before, uh, where you've had people who will say, you know, the Lord's uh, given me this gift to sing and my church won't let me sing, or uh, Lord's gifted me to, to preach or to teach and the church won't do that with me. And in that case, I would say spiritual gifts are given not just to the individual, but for the entire uh, church. So listen to the counsel and the wisdom of your church. Maybe that they don't know that you have a particular spiritual gift. Find some ways that you can serve uh, with that particular gifting. And if, if it really is your spiritual gift, people will start to recognize it and they'll put you in, in positions where you can use it more, or they may not. And so you have a spiritual gift, but that's not it. That may be what he's talking about. But I think probably what he's talking about is uh, what we tend to call charismatic spiritual gifts. And so whether or not those uh, extraordinary, as some people would say, spiritual gifts of, say, tongues or, or prophecy uh, ought to continue uh, within the church today. Now, let me put my cards on the table at the very beginning and say I am a cessationist, uh, which means that I think that some of the spiritual gifts have, uh, have ceased. I do not believe that the miraculous spiritual gifts have ceased. I think God heals dramatically uh, sometimes, even uh, as he did in the first century. And so I think the, the process for that is laid out in James 5, the congregation anointing uh, the person with oil, praying uh, over that person uh, for, for healing. I'm not um, in any way objecting to uh, extraordinary gifts. I think based on my reading of the New Testament, that what you might call the revelatory gifts have ceased. Uh, prophecy and tongues, which I think is, tongues is in the New Testament a sign gift uh, that uh, communicates prophecy in a language that the person has not, has not learned. So I, I don't think of it 
as a private uh, prayer language or a manifestation of, of baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's how I see it. A lot of people disagree with me on that, and a lot of people that I respect very deeply uh, disagree with me on that, and I may well be wrong. I, I know I'm wrong on many things. This might be one of them, but that's what I believe. Having said that, I'm able to coexist with a lot of people who disagree with me on those issues, um, including within uh, a local church context. So the question of what that disagreement looks like, I think, would, would probably manifest itself more in terms of the function of what's going on in the church. So what I would say is, first of all, to recognize that sometimes the disagreements that we have are not as big as we think they are. So for instance, I was um, preaching one time for a friend of mine who is charismatic and who believes that all of the gifts described in the New Testament are operative today, uh, including prophecy. And I was in his church, and they had a time of, uh, of prophecy. And this is how it how it worked out. Someone stood up and read a psalm and said, I have a strong impression that there may be someone who is sitting here today who is discouraged, who is downcast, who is about to give up, and who needs to hear this particular psalm. And there was a reading of the psalm and says, if that's you, then I think what the Lord would have me to say to you is... And there was this word of encouragement that is, is drawn from that psalm and from other passages of Scripture that was given. I had absolutely no objection to that taking place at all. The only difference between that person and me would be whether or not we would call that prophecy in terms of the New Testament, but no objection to what's actually happening that morning. As a matter of fact, I said, I wish that that sort of thing uh, would take place uh, more often in churches of, of, of every stripe. Someone to say, you know, I, I, I really have upon my heart a sense that I keep being drawn back to this particular passage, and I, I think maybe it's because there's somebody here who needs to hear it. That's not a thus saith the Lord. This is a direct word from the Lord that somebody here is in this specific situation and here is the specific answer to it. No, it's, uh, I, I think the Lord's leading me for us to come to this piece of revelation that we know is from the Lord and speaks to, speaks to everybody in the body of Christ. But I, I think, have an impression of speaking particularly maybe to somebody who's here. The psalm isn't wrong. And the appropriateness of the psalm isn't wrong for the, for the people of God, but I may be wrong that there's somebody who's particularly going through this situation I'm describing today. I don't have a problem with that. This is a language of how a dispute over how we label things, not a dispute over what's going on within the congregation. So sometimes I think there's a divergence between what's really being argued about and the way that we argue about those things. So what I would say to you is if you have a different view than your congregation when it comes to spiritual gifts in either direction, the first thing would be to have a a good deal of charity for the, the rest of the congregation and the way that they view it. And also to see yourself as counting the interests of others as more important than yourself. So 
If you are a cessationist like me, but you're in a charismatic church, recognize that your viewpoint is not the viewpoint of the majority of people uh, in the congregation. That doesn't mean that you ought to give up your convictions, uh, but it does mean that you recognize this is not a central issue of whether or not I recognize the, the people who are with me as brothers and sisters in Christ, and it's not a central issue about whether or not we can be on mission together, probably. And so I'm not going to then go in and turn every small group meeting or every Sunday school class into a debating ground uh, over, over that issue. The reverse is true as well. If you're someone who is more charismatic uh, in your view of the gifts, don't view uh, the gathering of your church as an opportunity to recruit people to your particular uh, view. And so to, to, to come in and sort of surreptitiously uh, start inducting people into speaking in tongues or whatever it is that, that, that you're wanting to do in a way that's not going to uh, serve the rest of the body of Christ, but would end up being divisive uh, within the body of Christ. Now, having said that, there are going to be situations where uh, you, may have, uh, you may have a church that is so insistent on a particular manifestation of its views that you would say, I can't in good conscience serve um, in that church. And, and there, would be, there would be some aspects of this that, that I would find really, really troubling. If you've got a congregation that says, if you have a different view than we have, maybe you have a congregation that's, that holds my view of a, a ceasing of those revelatory gifts, but the church says anybody who disagrees with us is uh, involved in the work of the devil. And uh, anybody who uh, manifests any of these these gifts is by definition demon possessed. And I've known congregations like that. Well, then, if you hold a different view, you you really couldn't operate very well within that congregation, and and it would be divisive if you tried. Or if you're in a, a congregation that would say the way that you know if you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit is if you're speaking in tongues or a congregation where you have people who are who are speaking words of of prophecy as though they are speaking directly from the Lord in a way that is in any way equivalent with scripture or in any way uh, to shut down uh, discussion or debate within the congregation well, then you're not going to be able as as someone who holds different convictions to be able to operate within that congregation but Often, though, there's a much wider spectrum than that. So you may be someone with more charismatic views, but you're in a church that doesn't recognize uh, tongues and, and prophecy as continuing gifts of the Spirit, but you can carry out your mission perfectly well within that congregation. Good. You may be a cessationist, and you're in a congregation that holds to the um, continued presence of, of all of the spiritual gifts, but that isn't a defining aspect of that congregation's mission, and you can operate uh, there. Well, fine. Uh, I think the issue there is to love each other uh, and to be able to serve together wherever we can. Uh, and, and frankly, that would really apply to, to everything. I, I had a, or to almost everything, that's not central to either the gospel or or to the, the mission of a, a given congregation. Uh, 
So I had, uh, for instance, uh, someone in a church one time who was uh, King James only. Uh, He thought that the King James Version is the protected, preserved translation of, of the Bible that's been handed down. I completely disagree with that. I love the King James Version, but I, uh, but I, I'm certainly not uh, King James only. Uh, I don't have didn't have a problem with him because I knew he held that view, but he never objected to the fact that I was preaching from a different translation most weeks. He never was uh, standing up and disrupting his Sunday school class uh, to say we're 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 going to stop uh, reading from these. New Age Bible translations and deal with the KJV. That was just his personal conviction. Great. We can have differences on that and be able to, to coexist together and to, and to carry out the mission together. So what I would say to our brother who's asking that question about the spiritual gifts is to, is to say, where are your convictions here and where's your church's convictions and does the one cause you not to be able to serve that church self-sacrificially and to serve with the church? If the answer to that is, I, we, we can't agree, then yeah, separate. Go to, go to a church that's going to be more receptive of, of your views. But usually, that's not the case. Usually, you're going to be able to say, we might disagree about how to interpret some of these passages in, in 1 Corinthians and, and in Acts. But for the most part, We agree, and we're able to get along. This is Russell Moore. You've been listening to Signposts.